Welcome to the Artist Academy podcast. Andrea Earhart here, muralist, adventurer, and your host as I interview inspiring artists who are killing it in the art game to show you that it's completely possible to make a great living doing the thing you love to do. We highlight the business side of art to help you reach more customers, increase profits, and ultimately live a life of creative freedom. (laughs) Enjoy the show. This episode is sponsored by the Mural Master Program inside of the Artist Academy Advanced Membership. This program is specifically designed to help you with every step of the mural process. From coming up with an idea, to finding a wall to paint it on, to pitching your ideas to businesses, and finally, of course, I teach you exactly how to paint large scale. Murals are a lot of fun and a great way to grow your art business. I know because it has been one of the top ways that I've been able to grow my own art business as quickly as I have. With several years of experience as a muralist, I've dialed down the painting techniques, the proposals, the pitching, the whole bit. And now I've compiled it into one resource for you called the Mural Master Program. This is included inside of the Artist Academy Advanced Membership, and I would love to invite you to join us by going to artistacademy.co, that is artistacademy.co, and click the link to see the Mural Master Program and learn more. And that's it, so let's get on with the show. This week's episode features South Australia-based wildlife artist, Carla Grace. This conversation is a great look into what it's like to grow slowly, but intentionally. Carla puts a lot of time and thought into her art, and you can definitely tell that just by observing any of her paintings. So go check her out. She's at Carla Grace. There is a link in the notes, so go check her out so you can see the product that she creates. (laughs) So much detail is required to get that realism effect, and she's the type of artist who put in the time to learn her craft before expecting a ton of sales. There's this learning phase we all have to go through and I think Carla is a great example of someone who really took the time to make her product the best it could be and then took off with it slowly. (laughs) The better you can be at painting, to be honest, the easier it is to promote and market that product. So practice, 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 and Carla's a great example. Carla also shares how she sells to a higher-end clientele and lives up to those expectations throughout the entire buying process, meaning everything is top quality from brand, the brand of paint she uses to the customer communication, sending really great videos to the client. And I think that is a great reminder of what it takes for artists who are wanting to sell at that level. This interview gives such a different perspective into the world of selling high-end canvases as opposed to our typical mural talk, and I'm so excited for you to hear it. So let me know what you think about this week's episode with Carla Grace. You could start out by describing your art journey a little bit and tell us a little bit about how you got to where you are. 
Um, so my name's Carla Grace. I am a wildlife artist and I sort of just, my career evolved slowly, I guess, over a huge amount of years. And my style is realistic. I focus on bringing animals to life on the canvas. This is because I grew up uh, in a few different parts of Africa and so had quite a real experience with animals and so I just sort of strive to bring that to the art that I create as well so now I'm living in South Australia with my family and you might hear Emily in the background she's busy outside playing with her dad on the swing um and so yeah I just every day it's what I do <laughs> Yeah. Oh, awesome. That is, is, and your art career is so inspiring. I just watched one of your recent short videos on how you got started and just, and just the slow stepping stones that it took to get there. And so I want to talk yeah. about that just for a second, because there are a lot of artists listen, listening to this, and I get a lot of messages about artists who are, you know, if they don't take off right away, they're, you know, they get a little discouraged. So can yeah, you talk about yeah. a little bit about that? Oh. Man, what a slow journey for me. Um, I started selling art um, sort of more for pocket money when I was about 17. And it sort of, it just grew from there. But when I say grew, I mean, like, it took about 12 years to grow from there. Um, so it was just me working on my skills and my ability and realizing that people were willing to pay for it uh, and then deciding what I wanted to do with that, like whether or not I wanted to keep it as sort of more a part-time job, like really discovering if I actually had what it takes because there's a lot of grit involved in being an artist because it's something that's so personal that you have to make so impersonal because it's, it's you're essentially creating a product to sell which you have to be quite detached from and that takes quite a lot of um i think emotional integrity i think being able to differentiate between um what you've done in the studio to what you now need to do to make a living um so that was sort of one of the biggest things that i had to face when i decided you know whether or not i'm actually going to pursue it as a career um, because keeping it as a part-time job, you have a way out um, when things get rough. But when it's your full-time job, that's it. You know, like if you stop, if you're not doing that, you got to do something else. So um, I, I sort of that took years to get to a point where I was like, okay, this is my full-time job now. Um, so when I was 23, I dropped out of uni and moved to Australia, and. I sort of started, I was working full time and I started the process of setting up my art as a small business. So a sole trader. So going through all the legal process and learning all the business aspects of it. And that took a long time as well as doing commissions on the side. So I sort of just maintained doing these commissions from the age of 17 right through. And I still do a few commissions now, but I'm a little bit more selective at the start. I was like, okay, yes, I'll do anything. Um, and then now I'm more focused on wildlife so I can be a little bit more selective about what I actually really want to do with my time because now it's pretty limited. <laughs> 
oh my gosh, I bet. And I've actually been wanting to interview you for a while, but I, I know oh. you just had a baby. So I was like, I'll just give it a little bit. <laughs> so I'm so excited that you're So is there a certain animal that you love to paint more than others since you mentioned you're selective nowadays? Um, I'm not too sure about the actual type of animal, but I think it's it's what the animal is portraying in the image. So like it can be any animal, but as long as there's like this amount of intensity like I look for a certain engagement in between the animal and the viewer and it can happen with any animal but it's just got to be there um, and I've learned over the years how to actually create that so like if I found the the posture if the body language is right but the expression isn't I've found a way that I can actually create the expression that I'm wanting the animal to have. So I'm not just relying on the reference photos anymore. And that's taken quite a lot of training as well behind the scenes um, to be able to move away a little bit from um, just the reference photo and working with do that. You, do you take your own reference photos? I do. Um, I also work with a handful of photographers um, and I've, I've also done a little video on how to like, if you, cause not a lot of people can get, like a photo of a grizzly bear if you're not, you know, in the place where you can, yeah, you know. <laughs> so um, I did do a video because it's uh, copyright is quite a tough one in the art world. Um, there's a lot of gray areas and a lot of things that don't make sense about it. So I did a little video that tried to explain um, how I have found the best practice with working with photographers. And so when I do work with a photographer, they're part of the process from the start. Like it's very involved. Um, they know exactly what I'm doing and what I'm doing with the painting afterwards. So there's no um, surprises for, for them down the road. Yeah. <laughs> very smart. And yeah. And I was listening to your recent video about talking about how you've learned all of the things, whether it's like taxes and just doing all yeah. it, it is, it is a lot, including copyright. I always get a lot of questions yeah. about copyright. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so everybody <laughs> check out her video on copyright. If you have more questions on that, cause I'm sure she goes into a lot more detail yeah. and shows examples. So, so what was the tipping point that took you from hobbies to professional artists? This is, I don't think there was like a, a milestone tipping point for me. I think it just happened slowly. Um, and it just sort of got to the stage where the demand for my work versus the time that I had available to do it became disproportionate. And so I had to give up something to, you know, either give up the art to do the day job or give up the day job to do the art. So it sort of, it really happened slowly and I just would ditch a few more days of the day job to, you know, try and cater to the art. And then eventually that became more. So it just, it just happens so slowly. Like it's the most boring story. <laughs> There's nothing romantic about it at all. <laughs> but you, that's real life. That's a really good yeah. mentality to have though. I guess when, you know, when one starts to invade the other, start to lean into it. And that, I guess yeah. that's a good thing to keep in mind because there are a lot of artists that listen to this too they're like when do I know like should, should I have yeah. you know, two two months worth of commissions left oh. or it's just I guess kind it's of just, it. it's fly by the seat of your pants really um I 
like a lot of people ask me, so when was your breakthrough? Like, when was your moment? I was like, I don't think I've had one. Like, I think it's still just <laughs> a lot of hard work and a lot of time has gone down the drain to actually just make sure I'm able to do it full time. Like, I don't feel like there's been a ah, romantic, like someone discovered me and I can sell my work for hundreds of thousands of dollars. No way. It's like that has not happened at all. <laughs> Yeah, it's a complete learning process the whole way. So how many hours do you spend painting per day? And I'm also curious how many you spent before Emily and now with yeah. her. Because um, I am also in that, you Comparing know, that stage. Before, yeah. uh, before Emily, I was able to work 16 hours a day. Like I could get a, what I call my classic portraiture range. I could get one of those done in a week. Like that was awesome. 100 hours in a week but now with Emily um on the days that she goes to daycare I get a eight till five um block of painting and so that's Monday Wednesday Thursday Friday so Tuesdays which is today I have Emily with me and we might dabble in the studio a little bit um she loves being in front of the camera so like this is the days that I do those videos with her yeah. because we're not trying to paint we can just you know have fun together she's got her own little easel set up and she's already been in here this morning like picking out colors being like yeah yeah like <laughs> let's get working mum <laughs> so uh, she loves being in the studio but if I'm working on one of my pieces she wants to be working on one of my pieces with me and so she's got her it has to be the same paintbrush that I'm using so it looks exactly the same and she's got her jar of water and she dips it in there and then she paints on the like she just wants to copy me with everything so it gets a little bit dangerous when the pieces are a little bit more valuable because um, she can put a few marks into them uh, so I try to avoid the joint painting sessions with her these days <laughs> Oh my gosh, that's adorable though. <laughs> She's cute, oh. yeah. <laughs> oh, that's so fun. That's going to be so fun for her to look back on too. I'm sure there's yeah. photos and videos. Oh, there's and... so many photos. <laughs> yeah, I bet. And your videos that you, I love that you include her in your videos too. And just hearing that she loves to be on camera. That's, it's just awesome. Uh, it I don't think I have so a choice. Real. Yeah, she, she loves it. As soon as, because I have to wait for her to have a nap. Um, and I discovered last week that giving her a snack during the video is like the best way for her to actually just engage and like and really enjoy it because otherwise she gets a little bit bored. Like she wants to be a little bit creative with what her role is in the video and she does a little bit more than what she's supposed to. Um, and so, yeah, giving her a snack is the best way to, you know, keep her focused on, on the one task of sitting and looking cute. <laughs> Every girl loves food. So oh, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> so can you talk us through your painting process you paint very realistically and I I am so amazed by it and I think a lot of your Thank people you. who are watching aren't as well and so how do you do that like what's the painting process like um painting process I would say would be patience and a lot of hours um I work uh so with acrylic and so the process that I've sort of discovered took a couple years at least when I decided to shift over from pencil medium to acrylic and it's just a lot of layers um, but like by layers it's I don't try and get the color exact 
when I'm mixing it, it more happens throughout the layers. So it takes the pressure off my color theory because I, I'm self-taught. I don't know color theory. Like I get people asking me, so do you do this process? And I'm like, oh, I don't know what that is. So um, <laughs> it's sort of, it's, it's a trial and error method, I think. Um, I've released a couple tutorials, like how I paint fur and how I paint feather. Uh, and it really is like a, just get out your head and just, like do heaps of like don't think oh have I done enough layers like if it doesn't look right keep doing more layers um so it's, it's a very tedious process there's I feel like it's a very um it's not very expressive at all like there's there's it's yeah very just you just keep going with the layers so um I I focus on doing what I call an opacity layer which is a, a color that is more like a medium color I'm not trying to get the brightest color or the darkest color and then using that sort of like as a foundation I then go over it with glazes or different highlights or sort of like and then it just goes back and forward between putting this middle tone and then bringing it back in with either a highlight or a low light and it's just like it just goes back and forward <laughs> Emily's just popped in <laughs> she's covered in dirt <laughs> Awesome. Well, yeah, so just lots of layers and lots of patience is what we gather Patience. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So much patience. <laughs> so is there anything you don't like to paint without? Maybe like a, do you have a favorite set of... Uh, I don't like to paint without a reference photo. Like if I could oh. go straight back to the... Like I like to have something to go off. Um, I also don't like to paint without a podcast or an ebook or something on in the background because I'm like, I am a little bit introverted, but I still have this like extrovert in me that doesn't like to be alone all day, every day. <laughs> so I like just having something on in the background. Um, it helps to sort of break the day up. Otherwise it just feels like it's endless, um, endless painting hours and you know, lonely. <laughs> yeah, it does. And it, I totally get yeah. that. Mine, mine is also having a podcast or an audio book on just to like, hear someone talk, even though yeah. we're like staring at a wall all day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's just something, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Are there any art lessons you've learned the hard way? Um, I feel like there was um, a moment with like, learning the acrylic, the realistic style, learning when to stop. Um, so realizing when you can't do any more to make the painting look better or more finished, like actually coming to that balance um, and like learning when the amount of time I'm putting into the artwork, whether or not it's worth it, like what the artwork's oh. actually worth. Um, so I think that like that I've definitely learned the hard way where I've put far more time into an artwork than I'll ever get in terms of a financial payment out of it. Um, so learning that balance, I think has been, has been pretty hard <laughs> and yeah, I've definitely learned, I've been like, I should have been paid way more for that artwork, but you've already given the quote and like, you know, it's, you can't change the quote once it's happened. So it's like, yeah, you just, you just deal with it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you just go with it. Okay, so yeah. how do you figure out pricing and how has your pricing changed throughout the years now that we're on that? Because we, yeah. we love to talk numbers. So. Uh, yeah, it's oh, that's the most frequent question that I get asked. And I'm trying to like break down like a formula that people can use. And it is really hard to do because art is so subjective. And it also depends on the way the artist has 
you know, portrayed their work. Like there's, a, there's so many different elements of adding value to the painting like that stand apart from the painting itself. Like people will only ever pay what they feel the artwork is worth. So like if you take crappy photos of your artwork, but the artwork itself is stunning, but you're selling online, people are not going to see that value because of how you've presented it. So like when I started um, doing commissions, like when I was 17, like obviously it wasn't a huge amount of, I didn't rely on the income. So I think at the start, having a supplementary income until you find your feet and you find your market and you get a reputation for yourself really takes the pressure off because your focus is not making an income like this is my bread and butter. It's getting better at your marketing, at your presentation. It's learning the ins and outs of what it actually takes to to make a, a living from it. So you're not relying on every single commission to actually pay your rent. It's more than that. It's, it's a learning curve. So I use the early years of my commission adventures to learn those things and to find the balance and find my feet in what people saw as valuable and what they didn't. So like a portrait, an A4 portrait would be $150, even though it took me like a week or something. Like it wasn't, it wasn't a lot <laughs> for what it was. Like they were really good portraits too, even from a 17 year old and word of mouth spread. And then, so as soon as people started talking and people were like, Oh, I want you to do mine. Like they knew it wasn't going to be hugely expensive, but they also knew it was going to be really good. And so even when I did start to increase my pricing, they were like, oh, it's worth it though. But like, cause look at how good that one was. Like I can actually recognize who that is in the, in the portrait. Um, so, and when your reputation grows, like and in the beginning, I think word of mouth is the most powerful marketing tool for artists. Like people talk when they're either super impressed or super disappointed. So you can gauge how people are responding to your artwork based on like how many people want it kind of thing. And you can just sort of, when the demand increases, your pricing can increase. But like, I'm not saying go from $150 to 500. Like people would just be like, you can me, like he paid 150 for it. Um, so um, like a slow increase and you can justify the slow increases as well. Like people understand it's like, oh, this one's a little bit more detailed. Like it's going to take me a little bit longer or it's a little bit bigger you know, all those sorts of things. And they're like, yeah, that makes sense. And then it just happens so slowly and naturally that it doesn't actually shock people. And when you're asking 1500 for a portrait instead of 150 over the next like couple of years, it, it just balances. It makes sense. It's something that's happened naturally. Um, so that, that for me was, that's how I started the pricing uh, at the start. And then when you jump to a medium that is more expensive for the artist to create from like acrylic or oil um, or if using resin and inks and like, you know, the really expensive stuff, that is also really easy to explain to the, like if you're, if you've got a, someone who's commissioning it um, and if you keep them involved in the process, so they see you creating it, it's not like a one day there's no artwork, one day there is, it's like, ta-da, they're like, oh. Well, okay, cool. Um, so, like, there's they they do like the story behind the creation as well. So, I think there's you can add a lot of value in terms of how you interact with your client as well, and the way that you present it to them. So, like, whenever I send an update to my collectors, 
it's always a beautiful video and it's always got really nice lighting. And even if it's just an update, like this is what I did today, it's just a beautiful, just something that feels like they are getting the best. Like there's nothing shortcut at all at any stage of the process. Like everything is, yeah, from the start, from the way that I interact with them to create the commission to when they actually get it. Uh, it's, you know, like they pull it out the box, it's framed, ready to hang. Um, it comes with a little pair of white gloves. So, you know, <laughs> they can put it oh. straight up on the wall. <laughs> so um, you can add so much more value. So like if you don't feel like your work is improving, you can add value by the way that you, you just everything around it. Like you can just make it so much more of a happy experience for a collector. Oh, there's so many little things that you just said that are it's just <laughs> ne next level is how I would, yeah. you know, say yeah. that. It's like, because in a lot of artists, they, they look at the artists who are charging thousands and they're like, oh, I want to do that. And then I'm like, so you're just talking to you. I'm like, okay, I don't put white gloves in my thing. And I you know in my thing. It's like, and that's just a next level thing, you know, putting in yeah, the practice yeah. that you put in and the video and just everything is top notch. And I think when you have that mentality, then you can charge those prices as in your great example yeah. of this. So this yeah, is yeah. yeah. It's basically, you think of like what feels like a luxurious experience to you. Like if you want to be an artist, cause like, I'm not saying like every art should be a luxury experience. Like they're just, there's just so many different business models out there for artists. Like you don't even need a business model these days. You can just wing it, which I've done. I spoke to my husband. I was like, I don't think I've ever got a business, like a strategy or a model or anything. Um, but like, there are no rules. Like the avenue that I've gone down, like I didn't have to do that. Like I could have gone down the, um, okay, so I've got the originals, but people really want prints. Like people ask for prints all the time. Like I could really turn that into what my business focuses on, but I'd hate, I, I hate packaging. <laughs> like I, I hate, I hate the logistics behind it. So it's like, it's more a personal choice. Like, a, and it's not the same for everyone. Like, so, um, just because I've gone down this avenue doesn't mean everyone else should be going down that avenue. Like there's so many different ways to make a full-time income as an artist. Like I've actually, my, my business model at the moment is super limited because I'm the only one that can do what I can do. Like if I were making prints out of it, I could delegate that to someone else and be like, okay, I've done the painting. Now you take it over. But this is me from start to finish sort of a thing. <laughs> so if I'm not able to do it, nothing happens. So, um, yeah. yeah, it's definitely what I'm doing is not scalable. Uh, if you wanted to talk more business terms, but it's, it, I love it and I wouldn't change it. <laughs> yeah. It works for you. Yeah. And when, you know, when I'm talking to a lot of artists too about scalability, it's, are you willing to hire another person and having mm. another person in your business? It's just, it's more communication. It's more things Absolutely. that can, could possibly go wrong. Like, but, it, yeah. but you can scale. So, but it's just, it's, yeah. some people don't want that. And, and really, I think exactly. when I, when I hear that you're not doing prints, it almost makes your originals even like that much more special. You know? Yeah, so that's it's actually based on experience that I've had with my collectors who have bought my originals. They're like, "Oh, you're not making prints of this, are you?" Like, there's a there's a sense of they want it to be they, their image. Like, they don't want other people to have the same image that they've spent this amount of money on. 
And yeah. like, I, I respect that. So like most of my decisions, like just about all my decisions I make, like going forward are based on my collectors and how I can add value to the ones that have already bought paintings and the ones that are going to buy paintings. So it's all based on around like how they would feel about the artwork going forward because they've invested in my career. Like I can still consider like what they, they prioritize um, as art collectors in uh, the decisions that I make. Yeah. Awesome. So do you do mostly commissions or how, how does that work? Yeah, I used to do mostly commissions and the past two years or so I've moved away from that because I just found like the more commissions I did, the more drained I was because I was creating artwork based on another person's inspiration. Um, so creating originals is something like inspiration, I'm not inspired to paint. Like I'm inspired by the ideas I make. The painting is the job. Like I just have to sit down and do it. So um, it's kind of uh, the commissions were, were draining me a lot quicker than um, painting my originals. So I select the commissions that I do very, um, very wisely, I guess, in accordance to what my vision is as a brand and, the and it's been there's been more commissions probably lately but it's the I think the market is changing they want me to create something for them that comes from me so like it's still an original like the one behind me it's a commission but it's an original as well it's in line with my current series and it's it's a bit of both so I'm really inspired to paint it but it's a commission as well so if I can get that balance then yeah happy to do it <laughs> Okay. And so when you're sending videos to your customers about like progress and such, how, how do they, so I, I imagine that that's a commission, right? Or do you post like partially finished ones and then people claim it before it's done or what's that? Sometimes it happens. It's a mixture. So like with the wolf behind me, um, now that I've actually got something tangible that the person can see, I'll send them like what I, what I post online. I'll also send to them privately because I don't actually know if they look at me through Instagram or Facebook or if they just, you know, happen chance came across me. Um, so it's sort of a bit of both. If let's say this one wasn't a commission and I usually it would take the majority of the painting to be finished for someone to be like, Hey, I really want that. Um, then that happens through the progress photos that I post online um, just through social media. Um, and it just happens randomly. It's really hard to pick. <laughs> yeah. So do you think most people find you on social media or do they tell you at all? Or? Um, I think a lot of it comes through social media just because that's my main, um, marketing like avenue. Yeah. Like Instagram is my main one. Um, so cool. I use Instagram and Facebook like parallel to each other. And I've late, lately started using YouTube, um, just because I'm making more videos. Uh, but a lot of it comes also through third-party marketing. So like if someone's done an article or like an interview and, um, yeah, it just happens randomly, but it is all online. I don't have any work in a gallery or anything like that. So it's sort of, yeah, it just happens. It's super random. It's, <laughs> I wish I could give you some statistics and some good data on it, but I just, it just, it's online somewhere. <laughs> Someone yeah, comes they, across. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the internet is amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, so changed the game. What, 
Yeah, what made you want to put videos out uh, educating artists? Because I I love it. But where where did this come from? <laughs> um, this came from me like learning things and being like, I wish I knew this when I just started. Yeah. Um, especially when I was at high school and at a university level, like I wish someone told me this. This, but I like I hate that that justification. I wish someone told me because you you've got so much at your fingertips that you can just, you can, if you don't know something, go learn it. So like that's, that was also a topic in the last video that I did. Um, but I just wanted, so like, then I was like, Oh man, I wish I could go to like schools and talk to like graduating classes that want to be artists or don't want to be, or they're just not sure. And I was like, well, I have to wait for an invite for that. No, stuff that I'm just going to make videos. <laughs> so then okay. I just started making videos. I was just like, this is what I wish I knew when I was starting out. I'm sure someone else is in the same boat. And if, if it helps, if at the end of the day, the only thing my social media achieves is helping artists sort of get to a professional level quicker without all the, the disappointment. Well, not, it's hard to say without all the disappointments because there's going to be. Um, but like to get through knowing what to expect, I guess, like, um, and being able to prepare and plan for that. And even to come to the decision of whether or not they want to do it full time, um, to come to that realization before they're broke <laughs> or before like you're living in your mum's basement, like, um, <laughs> like that, it would be nice to have some help, like just to think about things on another level. Like, I think that's, that's what it, it's, I'm just encouraging people to think about things uh, with a little bit more information that maybe they didn't know they needed. Um, yeah. And hopefully help someone along the line. If not, just get cute videos of Emily. Oh. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Watch no, I'm yeah. sure you are helping so many artists. I'm sure they are so thankful for that. So please keep putting those out. <laughs> I love Thank it. <laughs> Do you have a favorite past project that you've done, or is every new um. one you start the favorite? <laughs> Favorite's a tricky one for me because I do create the artwork with the intention to sell. Um, the one that I won't sell is a pencil drawing of an elephant that I did a few years ago. But I think the artwork that stands out the most um, to me, I don't know if it's a favorite, but it stands out the most, is a life-size grizzly bear that I painted in 2016. Uh, it was my first realistic acrylic wildlife painting. And it took me a month. It was 1.5 by 1.2 meters. And... I was like broke with that one. Like that was, that was it. Like if I, nothing happened going forward with, with that period of time, like that was it. I wasn't going to do the art thing. And it took about three months to sell. I was completely broke. I was going back into part-time work and I sold it at 10 o'clock at night and I woke my husband up. I was like, you're going to believe it. I've sold the bear. And it's like, <laughs> so it's like the amount of like, I had emotional breakdown during that painting. Like it was just an overwhelming task that I gave myself. Like I did it to myself. I'm fully to blame. I chose to do the a life-size grizzly bear realistic in a, a medium that I had no experience with in the past. So it was, I did it to myself completely and it, it paid <laughs> off in the long run because selling that made me believe in um, my ability to go forward and keep going. <laughs> so, wow. Yeah. What an interesting story. Oh my gosh. That's, that's, <laughs> um, that makes it even better. Like, and I feel like if somebody does go broke and end up in their mom's basement, it just makes the story more interesting. <laughs> 
Oh, it <laughs> does. It really does. It. <laughs> yeah. It's like a little bit of extra seasoning on the, on the pizza. It's like, yeah, this is what I can do. And I almost didn't do it. But look how far I've come. So, yeah, yeah. you know, like people are scared of the failure. Um, but I have learned so much more from the failure than I have from the success. So, um, yeah, I've turned them into to learning curves rather than allowing it to um, beat me down. Yeah, that's a really great. It's important. Way. Yeah. Yeah. Anytime I make a mistake and it's a big one, I'm always like, this is going to make a great story one day. And like laugh about it. It's going to be hilarious. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. For someone anyway. <laughs> yeah. So what are your future art plans and goals? What, what's happening right now? What are you excited about? Uh, um, I'm excited about all the different. Um, avenues that I can take wildlife. Um, this new series, Uninvited, with incorporating so many different elements into the wildlife, like I'm moving away from just painting a photograph. Like I think that there's so much more that can be done with wildlife that hasn't been done. And I'm just wanting to take that and play with it and see where it goes, like create something that is both realistic, tangible, and also like creative and has a story. Like I'm becoming really interested in the story behind creating these paintings like I do I love the classic portraiture but there's also there's so much more that can be done so I'm excited to play with that and I'd love to do work overseas like with residencies and things like that obviously once all the kids are done and you know settled um <laughs> then I can go and do the romantic artist thing but at the moment it's just you know working in the spare room and being a mum and tired all the time <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It'll make a great story one day. <laughs> one day, one day. <laughs> no, it's great. It's beautiful that you're doing it. You give me hope, too. I don't have children yet, but one day. So you give me hope that I'm going to be able to create things. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. It is so achievable. It's not like I thought I would really struggle with it, and it is a struggle. But um, being a mum and working full-time uh, on your career, whatever it is, it's, yeah, it's achievable. It really is. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Give me hope. Um, so I have one more question and then I will let you go to your busy day. Um, is there any <laughs> advice that you want to give artists who want to make art their full-time career, but just don't know where to start there in the beginning? Um, in the beginning, just, just start, just create art. Like, um, in, in my latest video, I sort of spoke about something I realized right at the start. Um, it's easy to want to copy, paintings and artwork done by the people that you admire um, but how it's actually really limiting because you're not creating from you like it's something that you like the visual impact of because it's been done um, but when you're starting out like figuring out your language like copying other artists work for the practice is awesome it's a really good way to learn but in terms of creating something that is you um, just focus on that and look for something that really works for you and just do it. Like the more you create, the more you have available to show people and then you can create a story. So like from the beginning, you have this story and this evolution of your artwork and it's actually quite beautiful to see. But if you, if you're disheartened by a lack of um, interest or, you know, the seemingly slow progress of um, your Instagram account, um, you know, just still keep doing it. Like mind over matter. Like you've just got to 
create if this is what you want to do it is gonna it's gonna have to take a lot to stop you from creating because if you let the failures or the slow progress slow you down you're you're out of the game before you even start like you just gotta have that determination to get you through the hard days because there are more hard days than there are good days I think (laughs) at the end of it so yeah just have the grit like just just create, just make the work that you've got to make. And if there's something you don't know, like you want to set up a small business and you don't know how to do that, start the research. Like it's, it's a lot of information. It's overwhelming at the start, but just, just start, like just, yeah, just make a start. It's just start somewhere and just follow the breadcrumbs. Like it just, yeah. Oh, and I need to know that. And so you follow that. So just, it's one thing after the other will pop up, but you just have to start. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, just a little bit at a time. Art's such a long game. And yeah, it is. You said it that is. Beautifully. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, it's been amazing getting to meet you virtually. And thank you so much for coming on here and chatting thank about you. art with me. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. No problem. Well, I hope you have a great rest of your day. I'll talk to you later. Thanks. Bye. Bye. This episode is sponsored by the Mural Master Program inside of the Artist Academy Advanced Membership. This program is specifically designed to help you with every step of the mural process. From coming up with an idea, to finding a wall to paint it on, to pitching your ideas to businesses, and finally, of course, I teach you exactly how to paint large scale. Murals are a lot of fun and a great way to grow your art business. I know because it has been one of the top ways that I've been able to grow my own art business as quickly as I have. With several years of experience as a muralist, I've dialed down the painting techniques, the proposals, the pitching, the whole bit. And now I've compiled it into one resource for you called the Mural Master Program. This is included inside of the Artist Academy Advanced Membership, and I would love to invite you to join us by going to artistacademy.co, that is artistacademy.co, and click the link to see the Mural Master Program and learn more. If you've enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. If you review our podcast and send a screenshot of that review to me on Instagram, I am art by Andrea Earhart. I will gladly share your art on my Instagram story with a reach of over 60,000 as a thank you for helping us grow this Artist Academy community. And speaking of community, if you would like to be a part of our absolutely free and very encouraging community on social media, just head over to facebook.com slash groups slash Artist Academy, and I will see you next week.